You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we're going to hear a message from our youth leader, Hannah Fetty. If you've not, uh, if you've not noticed, uh, our middle school and our high school uh, praise team, uh, from the guitar to the drum to the keyboards to the four wonderful young ladies standing there singing and big Matt, uh, Maddox over there on the bass guitar. And uh, my goodness, we're blessed. We are so blessed. Let's show a little appreciation and love. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Young people being trained up. Awesome. Speaking of young people, I'm uh, very honored to introduce the speaker for this morning, uh, our youth leader, Hannah Fetty. And a few years back, she started attending here. And uh, I just began watching her. And every time I talked to her, she just had God dripping all over and out of her. And I began praying several months ago and felt led to ask her to come on staff here. And she joined us full time, I don't know, about three, maybe four weeks ago. And Pastor Kerry called me this week and we got to talking on the phone and um, Pastor Kerry reached out to her and asked her if she'd like to share today. And she just got that heart. She said, yeah, yeah, if that's the desire, I can do it. So uh, let's, let's uh, make her welcome Hannah Fetty, Jewel City's youth leader. Would you do that? Amen. Okay, well, a little change of plans. Well, hello everyone. Um, as Pastor Robert said, and my name is Hannah Fetty, if you haven't met me. Nice to meet you. And I'm really excited to share with you this morning and uh, Pastor Carrie, she did call me this week, and she asked me if I would want to speak uh, this Sunday. And my response maybe wasn't quite as eager as Pastor Robert. I was just, I, I was really nervous, and so I, I didn't quite say I wanted to. I did, also didn't say I didn't want to, because if I said I didn't, I wanted to be obedient to the Lord. And so my response was, I have a willing heart. And the Lord can do so much with a willing heart. Um, and uh, one that is nervous to speak on a platform in front of all of you, one that uh, is willing to do whatever the Lord asks, even when it's scary, intimidating, um, uncomfortable, um, and one that ultimately knows that the Lord will be with me, with us, in whatever we do. And so before diving into the word and the message today, again, I just want to say that the Lord can do so much with a willing heart. And so... Um, I found the video that Pastor Robert uh, shared before uh, the service this morning just so um, in tune with what the Lord put on my heart to share with you all this morning. And so on Monday as I was praying after Pastor Carrie had called me, I was praying about what to speak about and praying um, what the Lord would have for me to share with you all. And the word that kept coming to my mind was boldness. And initially I thought this was just for me because again, I was a little nervous to be up here. And so I was like, okay, Lord, like I'm praying for a boldness and a confidence as I step up on stage and praying for these things. But the more I prayed into it, the more I uh, was just thinking about it, the more I realized that this is a message for all of us because we are in this war, this spiritual warfare today when people are coming against our faith. And Jude 3 says that we are, need to continue 
end for our faith. And so um, that is the message that I have for you all this morning, this, this boldness. And uh, if you notice on the video at the bottom, the title of the um, article or the video, it said an unknown valor. So it's this courage, this courage that so many people go off and they fight for our country and they fight for our freedom and that we would have an unknown valor, an unknown boldness that is powered by Christ and what he did uh, to step out in faith and do what he has asked us to do. And so um, the, the title of this message uh, is A Holy Boldness and um, we are going to be in Acts 4 this morning so if you all would turn with me there. And if you all, I love that we stand for the reading of the word. So if you all would stand and we would just revere, uh, revere the word, if you can, if you're able to stand. And so we're going to be starting in verse 5 and reading through verse 20. And uh, it says, On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were with the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved." Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing this man who had been healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to what to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard." So, Lord, God, I just pray for this service this morning, God. I pray that you uh, would just fill this place with your presence, God, that you would give me the words to speak to these people, and God, that there would just be um, a boldness stirred up in each and every heart in here, God. And I pray that no word would utter from my lips that was not from you, God, and that every word would be anointed um, and just guided by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather, to, to, gather, to fellowship, to worship you, to praise your name. And God, we just pray that you will be with us this morning, God, and that we will leave this place um, encouraged and excited to go on and do the work that you have set out for us, Lord. And we just love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. Okay, so we come to this passage in Acts, and Peter and John are on trial before the Sanhedrin Council, which is just a council of the highest elite religious leaders in uh, the Jewish religious leaders. Um, they were teachers, priests, law keepers, and what are they on trial for? So in order to find what they are on trial for, we actually have to go back to Acts 3, um, which I'm just going to summarize. So um, 
there was this man, he was a lame man, and he uh, was carried out to the temple gates every single day to beg the temple goers for money. And so he would go every day, and one day Peter and John were walking by, and this man asks them for money. And in Acts 3.6, we see Peter's response. He says, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Wise, rise up and walk. And so the lame man uh, begins jumping and leaping and praising God um, in the temple courts. And all those who were in the temple were amazed and in awe and in wonder at how this could happen. They had passed him each and every day, day in and day out, and seen him lying on the ground, unable to move. And they're like, what happened? And once they found out that uh, it was something that Peter and John did, they went up to him, them and they're like, what's going on? And Peter boldly proclaimed, um, this message of uh, salvation and of repentance and of grace and of Jesus Christ. And so, and all the commotion, all these people are so excited about what's going on. They're so excited to be hearing about Jesus. And all the commotion, the religious leaders uh, walk up to them and they're incredibly displeased. In Acts 4 2, it actually says they were greatly annoyed, and some translations even say disturbed. And so they, in this, uh, being annoyed with them, they arrested Peter and John, but not before 5,000 people came to know Christ that day. So the boldness of Peter led 5,000 people to the Lord, and even though they were trying to be dragged away and taken away, uh, God's work prevailed. And so this is where we pick up in Acts 4, verse 5. John and Peter, they're now on trial before these religious elite. And the question that they pose to Peter and John is in verse 7. It says, by what power or by what name did you do this? So what they're asking is, who commissioned you to preach this message, this doctrine? As leaders of the Jewish people, they consider themselves to be the authority on all things regarding religion. And so, uh, which we see um, in the four Gospels and even in Peter's response that they were the ones who crucified Jesus. This is the same group of people that crucified Jesus, that persecuted Jesus um, through his ministry. And like they did with Jesus, uh, this group is trying to catch Peter and John in something that they uh, can keep them held in prison for. They're trying to catch them in their words, basically. Um, and as we see, you know, back in the Gospels, as we see in Jesus' response to these people, he always approaches them with wisdom and truth, and they can't catch him uh, because he uh, relies on the Lord for all of his words, and that's exactly what uh, Peter's doing in this verse. In Luke 12, um, 11 through 12, Jesus promises all of us and says, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. And so um, when we rely on the Holy Spirit, when we rely on the Lord, he will bring the words about to say. And so in response to this question where, again, this council is trying to trap them in their words, they, Peter is relying on the Holy Spirit to guide him. And we see in verse eight, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said unto them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for no other name under heaven 
given among men by which we must be saved. So again, the Holy Spirit, working through Peter, gives this bold proclamation, saying this good thing that happened, this healing that happened, it came from Jesus, whom all good things come from. And do you remember him? He's the one that you crucified and that God raised from the dead. And this message that you tried to destroy, God brought, God brought back to life. And Jesus is our only hope and he is our only means to salvation. And, you know, many of us, we, we probably know that. We know that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We know this message. We know this gospel. But um, this group that Peter and John are talking to, they wanted to destroy this message. And they, that's why they crucified Jesus. They wanted him to stop preaching the message that he was preaching. And little did they know that... Um, Again, they wanted to stop it, so they decided to crucify him. And little did they know that God would raise him in three days. And them crucifying Jesus actually fulfilled the plan for salvation rather than destroying it. And that's exactly what Peter is saying here. And so then we continue on in Acts 4, uh, verse 13 and 14. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So what was, these, like, what was the men's reaction? It was astonishment and speechlessness. And so these councilmen who are so well-educated, so well-versed in the law and in scripture, they are left without anything to say. They have no, nothing that they can debate. They have nothing that they can communicate after this. They've studied all of their lives, and yet they were left speechless by two fishermen. Um, Peter and John were raised as fishermen, and if you remember, Jesus actually called both of them when they were in the middle of their work. In Matthew 4, 18 through 22, we see uh, Jesus calling them, and it says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two older brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat of Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. I love the word immediately. In both of those, in both of those times where Jesus calls them, they left what they were doing immediately and chose to follow him. It's that willing heart. Uh, hearts willing to obey. Can you imagine just being in the middle of your work day and just dropping everything? You're building a house, you just drop all your tools and just go follow this random man who's asked you to follow him. Or you're in your office and you just throw your computer to the wayside and you just follow this man. But there was something that in this man that drew them to him. And there was something special about him. There was something spectacular. And little did they know at that time that this would become the most important person in their lives. That he not only... Uh, would transform them, but he would enable them to take the message of hope to the world, and he would empower them to do so, and that he would become the center of their entire lives. And so they were just fishermen. Being a fisherman was a family trade, so their daddy did it, their granddaddy, their great-granddaddy, and so on. They learned this trade. They were not formally educated. They did not go to university. They did not have all of the biblical training and the, all of the different credentials or academics. They did not study under the scholars of the day. They were just fishermen. 
And if you question them about any other subject, math, science, literature, they might not know anything. But when you ask them about their savior, they eagerly and confidently shared. And maybe you're in the audience today and you're like, I'm just an accountant, or I'm just a teacher, or just an engineer, or just fill in the blank. But God wants to use you, and he has a plan and a purpose for you. And whether you feel able or whether you feel qualified, um, it doesn't matter because God is the one who will qualify you, just as he did for Peter and John, just as he was the one who enabled them and empowered them to move forward in what he had planned for them. And so you might feel weak, um, but you have a bold, unstoppable God on your side who is giving you the courage to move forward. And Peter and John, we see in this passage, they were bold. They did not back down in the face of adversity. They were courageous. They spoke with confidence and zeal. And why? Because they knew who was on their side. And so I have a a little silly story that uh, actually happened this week as I was thinking about this message and preparing. Um, I have a dog. Her name is Willa Mae, and she's a golden doodle, and I adore her with my whole heart. And if you want to see pictures, just see me after church. But uh, <laughs> so uh, Willa Mae, uh, she's really spoiled. I let her sleep with me. I let her, you know, everything. Everything is hers. And so uh, there was one morning this week, I think it was Wednesday morning, and sometimes she gets nightmares. And so when she gets nightmares, she kind of starts twitching and crying. And of course, it breaks my heart because I hate seeing her in in just in a, the way that, in that way, and being scared. And so, um, but anyway, for a long time I wondered, how could I settle her down? I don't want to startle her, I don't want to scare her awake. Um, and uh, eventually I came to this realization, if I just gently put my hand on her, the nightmares stop. There's calm and there's peace. Um, and it reminds me of Psalm 139.5. It says, you hem me behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. And God lays his hand upon us and enables us to do impossibly more than we could ever think. But it also requires something else, and that is we have to know him. There has to be this confidence and trust in him. And Willow May, she spends every, every second of every day, if I'm going to bed, if I'm going to the bathroom. When I'm mowing the lawn, we have windows. We have these big door windows in the back and the front. And so as I go from the front yard to the backyard, I just see her going from place to place and following me all around. Because she abides in my presence. She knows who I am. She can trust me, and she loves me, and she knows that I have good intentions for her, and it's the same in our walk with Christ. If we could only know him and trust him and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he has good intentions for us, um, his hand will be in our lives. And I think the most beautiful part of verse 13, uh, of Acts 4 verse 13, that really stuck in my heart was that it says, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And that is so powerful. And it is especially powerful, again, when you consider who these people were. They were the people that were uh, trying to get rid of this message. They tried to kill Jesus. They tried to do all of these things. But they recognized that their boldness was not from themselves, uh, from Peter and John. But they recognized that their boldness came from someone else, someone with power. They recognized that it came from Christ. They recognized that they had been. There was something different about them, something unique, something that stood out about them um, that allowed them to proclaim this message of Christ so boldly. And their proximity gave them power. Their proximity to Christ gave them the power to proclaim. And so the fact that these uh, councilmen, again, were trying to stop it in this message, but they also recognized that power and boldness, that speaks volumes. Um, And for us today, our boldness also comes from Christ and from abiding abiding in him and relying on him and asking uh, him to help us be bold. Um, And Matthew Henry, uh, he's... uh, 
pastor from the, and a theologian from the 1800s, but he put it this way, um, and I really like this. It says, those that have been with Jesus in converse and communion with him have been attending on his word, praying in his name, celebrating the memorials of his death and resurrection, should conduct themselves in everything so that those who converse with them may take knowledge of them, <clears throat> that they have been with Jesus. And so so that those who converse with them may take knowledge of them that they have been with Jesus. And this makes them so holy, heavenly, spiritual, and cheerful. And this has raised them so much above the world and filled them with one another. One may know that they have been in the mount by the shining of their faces. And so there's this something different about people who have spent time with, with the Lord, who are constantly in his presence. And I'm sure you all have noticed, I'm sure you all have been around people like that. Hopefully, many people in this room, when people are around us, they see that. They recognize Jesus in us. They see something different um, in us. They recognize his presence. And so, continuing on in Acts 4, uh, verses 15 through 18, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it, but in order for it to spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak about it no more. So they called them in and charged them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. If you notice in, in these verses... They aren't coming against what happened. They can't deny that this man has been transformed. They can't deny that this man who was not walking for 40 years of his life is now up and moving, dancing and grooving. They cannot, um, <laughs> they can't deny that because it's evident. It's, it's, they can see it with their very own eyes. But the thing that they're trying to deny, the thing that they're trying to come against is the message. They're trying to come against the name of Christ. They're trying to come against the resurrection of Christ. And so, um, uh, and it literally says in verse 16, what shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed and is evident, and we cannot deny it. And I just think about the song we sang, uh, Tremble, right before um, the message, and it talks about how the shadows cannot deny him. So there, we can't deny the power of Jesus. We cannot deny what he is doing. Um, no matter how much the that people try to come against it, and in this case, there were thousands of witnesses that saw this transformation. And so... No one's calling into question what happened, but they're trying to come against and question the message. And this is the world that we're living in today. There are so many people coming against the message of Christ and the hope of Christ, and uh, they want to change the narrative. Um, there's a steady pressure from our world to change our message, a pressure to shift to a view of, oh, you can get to heaven all of these ways instead of just through Jesus. There's a view, um, there's a steady pressure to conform to this world, to call sin good, to call evil good. Um, for, there's pressure for the church to sit in a corner and be quiet rather than molding us, uh, and rather than molding us into the image of God and to the image of Jesus, the world would rather mold Jesus into the image of the world. And um, John MacArthur, in a, in a book called Jesus You Can't Ignore, this is one of the books I read in preparing for today, he, he said this, it says, the evangelical movement used to be known for two non-negotiable theological convictions. One was a commitment to the absolute accuracy and authority of scripture as the revealed word of God, not as a product of human imagination, experience, intuition, or ingenuity. The other was a strong belief that the gospel sets forth the only possible way to salvation from sin and judgment, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. Sheik values such as diversity, tolerance, collegiality, uh, agreeableness, and academic freedom seem to have eclipsed biblical truth in the hierarchy of virtues, and today's worldly evangelicals are caught up in a riptide of popular 
postmodern opinion. And so it's this idea that all of these ideals, all of these thoughts, all of these um, beliefs are coming over biblical truth. And that's why we must be grounded in biblical truth. And we must not, as Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so we will not conform to the world. We will not put... Uh, the world's truth over biblical truth. We will not um, be pressured to sit in the corner and be quiet, and we will speak up and we will be bold. And one of the things I value most about our church is its commitment to truth. From Pastor Robert to the rest of the pastoral staff, it's just such a blessing to be in a church that preaches the word of God every morning and that you don't have to come and worry about that. And And I hope that each of you in your lives are it's not just, you're not just getting truth, you're not just getting scripture, you're not just getting this knowledge from the pulpit, but that you are going home and you are digging into it yourself so that you can know it. Because times are hard, but times are gonna get harder and the world is gonna continue to come against Christians and come against truth and try to tell us what truth is. And so we need to know it and we need to be grounded in it. And um, John 8, 31 through 32 says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the nature of the gospel, um, it's offensive, because the gospel tells us that we aren't good enough, that we are sinners, that we are imperfect, that we are flawed, but the good news is that God came down to us where we could not be perfect enough or meet all of the qualifications. He came down to us and he lived the life that we never could so that we can live eternity with him. And so we must not water that message down. We must not soften it. We must not um, try to make it conform to the wills and whims and woes of the world. We must speak truth and we must stand on it. And so finishing out this Acts 4, um, it says uh, in verses 19 through 20, um, and if the worship team would want to start coming up. uh, So the last few verses, it says, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge, for we cannot speak of what we have seen and heard. This beautiful moment, It's particularly impactful when you know Peter and you know what happened before. When just a short time ago, when Jesus was arrested and Jesus was getting ready to be crucified and people were asking, weren't you a follower of Jesus? And don't you know Jesus? And he denied him three times. And in this, we don't see a Peter who's denying Jesus. We see a Peter who is filled with the Holy Spirit, who is standing his ground and who is fighting the good fight for truth. And he will not back down and neither should we. Um, And so he stands boldly for Christ and he says he will choose God over man a million times a day. In, in Proverbs 29, 25, it says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And John 12, 42 through 43 says, nevertheless, many, even the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And that cannot be us today. We must put God's will and God's mission above everything else 
And we must worry about bringing him glory, not ourselves, not anyone else, for that is what it is all about. That is our purpose here on earth, is to bring glory to the uh, King of kings and Lord of lords. And then at the, the end of that verse, uh, verse 20, it says, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when you spend time with Jesus, and when you know him, can you not but help tell other people about him? Can you not but help it, like, it's just bubbling out of you. It's just overflowing from you, the goodness of God. You want to tell everyone about it. And so, um, and that is where they're at. They're like, we're not going to shut up. We're not going to sit in a corner. We are going to tell people of Christ. We're going to tell what he did. We are going to speak it loudly and proudly and proclaim it to the nations and scream it from the rooftops. And so that is my prayer for all of us, that we would be overflowing, bubbling out with just the presence of the Lord, that we just couldn't help but speak about it. And how do we respond to this? How do we respond to all this message? Well, first, uh, yesterday, uh, I came to the church yesterday evening uh, to work on the message some more and just pray. And I was heading home around 745, and I was driving on Meadowbrook Road, and uh, this lady is driving towards me and she starts flashing her lights at me and I'm like, am I doing something wrong? Am I on the road? Like, what am I doing? And I didn't really think too much of it because I was like, I don't know what I was doing wrong. And then a man comes down in, in his truck and he starts waving me back the other way. And so I start thinking, okay, there must be something going on at the, at the end of this road. And again, I keep driving and, uh, and there was a wreck. And I, I don't know... Uh, if, you know, the individuals involved in the wreck, if they lived or if they died. And it reminded me of the, the fragility of life, one, because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and we don't know what's going to happen today when we leave this place. And there is such an importance um, to giving our lives to Christ, to knowing where our souls will be for all of eternity. And it also, this incident reminded me um, of a savior that uh, as a song that we, we often sing, he picks me up, turns me around, you know, we have to turn our cars around and go in the opposite direction where we were headed towards destruction and we were heading towards potentially death. We were heading towards this, this accident. We had to turn around and turn back and go the right way. And so I don't know the hearts of every person in this room, but if you are not right with the Lord, don't let another second pass without surrendering your life to him. You have an eternal hope in Jesus. We all have an eternal hope in Jesus. And it's important to know where your eternity lives. Uh, where your eternity lies. Um, and in Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and it is saved. And so if you confess this morning, your name will be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'm going to do this invitation. You know, we talked about boldness. I'm going to do it with every head up, every eye open, and that you would be willing to say, I want to be with Jesus. I want to know him. I want to surrender my life to him. I want my life to be transformed by him. That you would be bold enough to say that it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to be embarrassed by. It is something to rejoice over. The heavens rejoice. Everyone in this room will rejoice with you if you uh, decide to walk into the kingdom of God today. And so, is there anyone in this room this morning who would say, I would like to surrender my life to Christ this morning? Is there anyone? And it doesn't matter where you're at. 
It doesn't matter where you've been. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You just have to say, Jesus, I want you. Anyone in the house? Okay. Well, I'm glad that you all are, are right with the Lord. And um, so for the rest of you who have already given your lives to Christ, who have already said, yes, Jesus, I want to live for you. Once I got my car, uh, just continuing the story a little bit, once I got my car turned around, I passed several cars on the way back out, and I was like, I wonder if I should warn them. Should I, like, wave them down, or what should I do to signify, you know, that they also need to turn around? Um, and I didn't do anything, so if you were one of the five or six cars I passed, I'm really sorry. But um, I, I didn't do anything, and as I was just driving, I was thinking about, you know, in life, we need to tell people to turn around. We need to tell people to turn back towards Christ, to turn away from destruction, to turn away from death, and to turn towards Christ. And we need to be bold in proclaiming that message. Uh, Romans uh, 10, 14 through 15 says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they gonna believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how will they, uh, to hear him without someone preaching. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And this is all of us. This isn't just uh, pastors. This isn't just people in full-time ministry. This is all of us. That we would take the word to everyone, to our coworkers, to our friends, to our classmates. And we don't have the luxury of assuming. Like when I was driving, I mean, the people were gonna turn around eventually. It wasn't a big deal. But in life, this is a matter of eternity. This is a matter of eternal life with Christ. And we do not want to see people condemned. And so uh, the rest of Acts 4, uh, it says this. Um, the, the verse that we've been in the, the whole day, it says, when they were released, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, sovereign God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against the anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your planned had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hands to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God in boldness. So here we see a prayer for boldness and and it says, when they prayed in the place they were gathered, it was shaken and they continued to speak the word in boldness. It was shaken and they went forward in boldness. And my prayer is that he would shake every person in this room and he would fill you with boldness. Not just the leadership, not just deacons, not just the pastors, not just, but every single one of us. And so um, if you are here today 
and you would like to um, have more boldness in your life, to have more courage, to step forward in faith, to share the gospel uh, with others. If you um, are here today and you're like, I want the Lord, I want a work of the Holy Spirit in my life, a move to increase my boldness this morning, I would ask that you would just come down to this altar right now, that you would just come forward. What I'm going to do is like to pray this prayer for you that um, that Peter and the John and the group prayed over their group. And then if you all just want to pray for yourselves as, as Pastor Carrie leads us in worship. Sovereign God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of this earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threat, threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness, God, that you would fill each one of these people, Lord, at this altar and in this room with boldness, God, that you would grant them the ability to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And God, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 